wonderful evening and I'm so excited to be here. It's a real privilege to be able to speak and, and share with you all tonight and thank you Pastor Josh for inviting me. Um, you know, it's really been on my heart to share a bit of um, a personal story and a few things I've learned over the last few months and I guess maybe a year of my life. Uh, tonight, I don't necessarily want you to actually learn anything, but I want you to be inspired by a personal story. I'm not here to preach, I'm here to inspire you, and that's my main goal. So if I do that tonight, I'll be happy, and I hope you are as well. You know, on the occasion in our lives, we can journey through, and we can get incredibly caught up in whatever it is. It might be at school, it might be at work, it might be in relationships, but sometimes it's really important to take two steps back in our journey. Sometimes you hit a roadblock and you go, right, what am I going to do now? So you take two steps back and you realign your perspective and then you go, you go, right, God, I'm here with you. I'm here in spirit and truth. Let's take three steps forward. And that's where the phrase comes from. So despite whatever happens in your life, I really want you to understand tonight. And if you get anything out of this, I want you to understand how blessed you really are. Because the blessings of Jesus are not reserved for just one group of people. They're not just reserved for Americans they're not just reserved for the Afghanistan people. They're not just reserved for us. They're reserved for everyone, and that includes both you and me. Yeah. The aim of the game is believe it, receive it, and act on it. So I can just end there, right? Yeah. That's literally it. <laughs> nah, I could end there, but I'd much, I think we'd all much rather you know, go on, hopefully, a bit more. <laughs> and so if you can join me in prayer, oh, that would be awesome. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are so good that you're incredible, and words can't really describe how amazing you are. Thank you that you are, alive, you are alive in us today, and that you are good, and your presence is here. And I ask in this moment that you move by the power of your spirit, and you touch each and every single heart tonight, that your word is not void, that your word has power and meaning, and that you would break any chain that is binding people from hearing this tonight. And I ask that uh, the hearts are fully open to receive the blessings and the promises that you have for all of us. In your mighty name, amen. Uh, you may not have had the best week this week, I honestly don't know. And Each day brings its own challenges and sometimes it's difficult to think of something that's actually positive. You know, I was speaking to mum just before I came up and I said to that line to her and she said, yeah, I can relate. She said, sometimes I just go through it, go through the week and I go, wow. That was a dreadful week. And it can be really hard to move on, but Jesus' love is new to us every morning. In fact, the Bible says great is his faithfulness. Not just good is his faithfulness, but great is his faithfulness. And it may not seem like it, but Jesus is right here with you. He's taking each step as you journey, and he will never forsake you. And although people might let us down, your car might break down, the dishes might still be there in the morning, Jesus will never let us down. So, as is on the screen, I was preparing and I was contemplating the idea of God's promises rather than problems that we can sometimes face in our lives. But to do this, we must understand uh, how important we are in the eyes of Jesus and how much his promises mean for all of us. I want to take you straight to a passage in Matthew 16. So, some background information Jesus has talked to his disciples about how dangerous and uh, hazardous the teachings of the Pharisees are, and he tells them to guard their hearts. And so 
then almost as if he's trying to see if they were listening, he then asks them a pretty powerful question. It's a question that is defining not only of Jesus as a person, but of his actual character as the Son of God. He asks the disciples this question, who do you say that I am? Which is pretty powerful. He's asking his disciples to determine or to say who he as the Son of God really is. And so I can imagine Peter, who actually answered this question, I can imagine him, if he was in the middle of the MCG, he's grabbed his bat, he stepped up to the crease, and as Jesus is coming into bowl with this question, he's looked him in the eye and he's right, gone, right, I've got this. So as Jesus delivers this question, he's rocked back on the back foot and he's hit it for six over covers, and he's nailed it when he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's absolutely crunched it. And so now I want to take you to verses 17 and 18 of chapter 16, which say, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this, which was the understanding of who Jesus was, was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Jesus then goes on to say, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, that's really important, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades won't overcome it. Now, in the Greek, the word Peter means rock. So when Jesus is referring to building his church on the rock, he's not referring to a concrete slab. He's referring to Peter himself. He's referring to the guy who he spent some of his life with. So I've been attending Eastlake Church of the better part of four years now, and I can honestly say that I love the church. Not because of the facilities around us, but because of you. You are the church. It doesn't matter if it's Eastlake or Miracle Point Church, C3 Church, Kingdom City. We are all people. And as Jesus put the power of having the church on Peter, the same 2,000 years later is for us. We are the church. God has entrusted us with that responsibility. And we have that power to go forth because Jesus has put that on us. In fact, we were all born to make a difference. So as a uniquely made individual and child of the Most High God, you are an integral part of the church and have been placed here to boldly journey, uh, boldly, boldly walk in your journey and carry out his purposes for your life. And it's a this is big moment as is part of our church this year. But we have called, been called to greater things by an even greater God. However, and I love that word, however, it often changes things so drastically. You've got this one point, and then suddenly you go in this direction. But sometimes our doubts in God's promises for us can prevent us from seeing transformations within our own lives, within the church, and in the lives of other people. Because in life, whatever we put our focus on, we actually magnify. Uh, it's like continuing thinking about something creates a snowball effect. Just grab, gotta grab something out of my iPad here. So, continually think about something creates a snowball effect. So, when we think about something, we think about it from a whole different angles, and then suddenly the problem becomes bigger, becomes bigger, and we magnify it in our own minds. When in actual fact, our perspective on the problem is actually what changes, not the problem itself. For example, I have a small five-cent coin here. Now, theoretically, let's say I'm standing in the open. I'm not actually, let's pretend I'm not inside. And I hold this coin up to my eye, and I close my other eye. So I can't actually see anything out of this eye here. 
Now, if you hold it close enough, you're able to completely block out the sun if you were to look at it. Now, this coin is 20 millimeters in diameter. The sun is 1.4 million kilometers in diameter. So it's amazing to think that something so small can block out a some, something else that is 70 billion times larger in size. It's pretty crazy. But say this is the problem. Say that's where our focus is. Say the sun's God. If we hold something up so close to our eye so that our perspective is only on that, we block out the promises of God working in our lives. We completely remove the power of God to work when we doubt. The Bible says in Proverbs 23.7 that as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. To think in your heart implies your beliefs, which determines your thoughts and ultimately the fruit of your life. But notice that all started with what you believe. What you believe determines everything. The fruit of your life and your friendships, your marriage even, and absolutely everything. So let's be real. I'm going to pose the question. I'm going to pose this question probably 10 times tonight. Are you totally believing and trusting in God? And if you are, are you spending time reading his word? Because that's part of what it looks like. Are you remaining steadfast in his word? Because it's all well and good to study it, but are you steadfast in it? Are you getting it to your heart and then out from that? Just recently, I had a bit of a, there was a bit of a something that happened in my life. And I'm going to share a story about that because it relates a lot to this. And it wasn't to me personally. It was about a a brother who's very close to me. So if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you a bit of a story. So 2019, a bit of background information. It's a pretty big year for me and my family. I'm the first person in my family who has uh, decided, right, medicine is a career path for me. I'm going to go down that avenue. And so obviously my year 12 results contribute heavily to that. 2018 was an amazing year for me. I had my best year academically, became more involved with the church and in my local community. I formed great friendships over the year and some of my friends actually organised a surprise birthday party for me at the end of last year. I was sort of sitting at home doing nothing. Suddenly I have a whole group of friends rock up on on my uh, front door and I'm going, what is going on? I was in an absolutely disgusting state. (laughs) But anyway, it was going great. Life was awesome. But in the weeks leading up to the new year, my younger brother Paul, sitting down the back, good to chat to by the way, he became increasingly unwell and started feeling really fatigued. He started losing weight and we didn't really think much of it. But then come January 2nd, when we, went, we go on our annual family holiday to Busseldom, um, he was, this was no exception. He was really, really tired on this day. Now, we were going to Busseldom, so obviously we're leaving in the morning and so it was 9.30, we were packing the car to go. And he was asleep. I mean, and if you ask Paul, it is a sin to get him up before 10 a.m. on a school holiday morning. He will not get up. You can slap him. You can kick him. You can do whatever you want, but he will not wake up. So we didn't think anything of it. So we packed the car, drove to Busterdam, and when we got there, Paul was still asleep. It's a two-hour drive. It's now probably 12, 11, 12. He's still asleep. And we're going, what's going on here? And so we were thinking that, and we're, we're sort of trying to do stuff. We had lunch. He was still asleep. We called him for lunch and then he came for lunch, had his lunch, went straight back to the tent, zipped himself up, went back to sleep. Dinner time came. He's still asleep. We called him for dinner, comes out of bed, goes back to sleep. 
And now by mum, by now mum's thinking, man, what's going on here? This is, something's not right. And so she organised a doctor's appointment for Paul the next day because who sleeps the whole day? I mean, we're on holiday. And so, uh, where am I up to? So before we knew it, the next day, January 3rd, we're at the doctor's surgery. Mum and I went into the consultation room with Paul. Now, we thought he may have had Ross River virus. So when the doctor decided to check his blood glucose level, we were all very, very surprised. What was even more surprising was when the doctor commented and made this comment, and I'll never forget this. He said, his blood glucose levels are so high, the equipment we have can't even register it. My diagnosis is type 1 diabetes. Now, it was just Paul, Mum, myself, and the doctor in that room, but you could have heard a pin drop. There's no exaggeration at all. We were stunned. We didn't know what to do. And for someone to say that Paul, by far the biggest, the strongest, the most muscular kid in his ear, for someone to say that anything was wrong with him, that was not just silly, but a downright stupid idea. It was not right at all. The impossible literally happened at that moment. And to say that my heart sank would also be an understatement. I can't imagine what Paul was thinking, and to this day, I still haven't asked him. The doctor promptly completed a referral form. We then travelled to the Bustardon Hospital, and there it was confirmed with the appropriate equipment that his blood glucose level was 36, which is over six times the normal limit. He's lucky he's still here with us today. I was angry, I was annoyed, and I was shocked. But in allowing myself to feel that way, I had relinquished all hope in the situation. My hopelessness was driven by fear and doubt, and it struck our family to the core. The doctors and nurses, um, yep, yeah, sorry, lost my point, hang on. Okay, so later on, Paul was flown up to Perth Children's Hospital that night, and there he was to stay for two weeks. So Dad, Lewis and I, we were still in Bustleton, so Lewis is my four-year-old brother, still can't differentiate no from yes, but we're getting there. And so we had to pack up camp and drive back. And so the next, every day of the next two weeks, we were driving up and down. And that was great. The doctors and nurses there are really friendly. And because Paul was obviously newly diagnosed diabetic, they were really um, kind because there's a lot of education that's necessary to manage the condition. And so even though that was all well and good, they weren't Christians. And they knew full well that there's no medical cure available for it. And so I don't blame the doctors for their lack of hope. I don't blame them at all. After all, that's the field where I want to be in. And I understand that you have to interpret the medical results and say to the patient, here, this is what's going on. Unfortunately, this is what we have and this is all we can do. But in this time where I was just so caught up in the situation, I couldn't believe that this had happened to Paul. This revelation that the doctors and nurses were just saying as it, as it was, was so powerful and profound for me. Because if I didn't have this revelation, I wouldn't have been able to take the two steps back. I wouldn't have been able to say, God, this is not from you. Because after all, despite what the medical report of the doctors said, I know that I can stand firm on the promises of God. And it's true. The promises of God will stand the test of time, regardless of who you are, because God's word is powerful. So 
I hear you asking, what are the promises of God? And it's all well and good to say the promises, but what are they specifically? Because if something does happen in your life, what are you going to fall back on? What is there? When there's a direct attack from the devil, how are you going to stand against his schemes? So I'm going to read out a few of you, and if you want to close your eyes and really picture what this is in your mind, I invite you to do so. Because they're so true, and, and if you get these into your heart, they're so profound in the effects. So I'll read a few of them. If you want to close your eyes, that's okay. If not, that's all right. I'll just read them out. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm delivered from the power of darkness. I'm made complete in him. I just love that one. I'm complete in him. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God. I am appointed to preach the gospel. Even though there is trouble on every side, I am not distressed. At times, I may be cast down, but I am never destroyed. There's some of the promises. There's some of the things coming straight from the mouth of our God who loves you unconditionally you know it would be easy to just dismiss these as simple one-liners but the truth is these statements have the potential to radically empower the lives of anyone who believes them today i stand here before you as a young man who has gone through seeing a, a loved one adversely affected however through it all we are speaking healing over paul over his body over his pancreas and we fully believe that god's word and his promises are true Paul's diagnosis was a direct attack from the devil, trying to make an inroad into the life of a young man who is going places. But we serve a bigger God, an overcoming, unconditional, so loving God who will never leave nor forsake us. And in keeping true to that, I believe that the healing of Paul will one day be made manifest. So I'll ask you, despite what you're going through, what are you believing I know it's a very simple question to be asking. I mean, I've asked people the question, I don't know how many times, and I'm 17. You've probably asked people the question your fair share of times. But it's so important for us to reconsider where we're at so that we can go forward boldly. For someone who first accepts Jesus into their life, the question is life-changing. It opens up an entirely new direction of their life. A life with Christ, with fullness of joy, hope, peace, a loving Father. What more can a person want? It's totally transformative. And as Pastor Josh would say, this is big. But from the day you accepted Jesus to this present moment, despite what happens, despite the problems that can sometimes pop up in your life, I challenge you to remind yourself, am I really believing? And if you believe, are you actually passionate about the promises of God? Does the promises of God, do you take them to heart and then go, right, I want to see change. I want to see change in the community. Are you inspired to go and effectuate the action to see the transformations within the lives of other people? Do you feel on fire for God? Do you feel like you're going to go out there all guns blazing? Because I know that's not what all Christianity is about, but if you're on fire for God, the passion for him will never die. I know that we aren't, we aren't all gathered here just to say, oh, I went to that 5 p.m. service when you're asked about it during the week. 
But we're here because we are members of the body of Christ. We are the church. And we exist as the church, as a lighthouse in this region, in this city, that we as ambassadors for Christ would rise up in the authority of the name of Jesus. Because in his name, we overcome. The problems of this world don't stand a chance in the, by the name of Jesus. Because we are conquerors. The Lord our God is able. And in his name we overcome. For he who believes, as the word says, nothing is impossible. You know, it's so practical because our city is not in a great state. And everywhere I go, I go to the foreshore. I see people hopeless. I see people broken. I see people who are in a drunken state, caught up in their selfishness, their addictions, their financial insecurities. Going to school, young children are exposed to the atrocities of this world. They're losing their innocence. They're losing what makes them kids from a really young age. Children are going to school thinking they're worthless, no breakfast, seeing their parents arguing, seeing um, bullying at school, being bullied, maybe bullying other people. They're failing school because they, all these parts of their life are affecting their outcome. But I see these young adults as well, teenagers, people like us, well, some people older <laughs> as well. Thought I'd put that in there. And these people are struggling to determine what they want to do with their lives. People my age, they don't know what they want to do because they have no hope. They put a coin, they put the problem up in front of the sun and they don't take it away. They don't recognise it's there. And they don't realise that God is the solution. I think it's clear that there's an evident need for hope in our city. People are weary and crying out for it. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, but they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. But I mean, as a church, I can hear you asking, what more can we do, Tom? What more? We're already involved with several ministries in Cambodia, Centre 13, Love My Mandra. But maybe on a personal level, it starts with helping the lady or the single mother paying for her groceries in front of you at the shops. Maybe it starts by helping the elderly man put his groceries in the car. Simple things. Maybe it's just smiling at someone as you walk past them on the footpath. But on a deeper level, how can we really show the love of God throughout our community to help those who are in desperate need and are crying out for a saviour, who need to be carried on the wings of eagles? Well, Philemon 1.6 says that by acknowledging every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus, that the sharing of our faith may become effective. So what are these good things in Christ Jesus? Well, the answer to that is found in Galatians 5.22 to 23. And obviously, you know that very well. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And although it's a really well-known verse, I frequently reflect on this and the life lessons that come out of it. And why is that, you ask? Well, I've realised that to be a difference, I must be different from this world. And that difference is Jesus himself. So where do you stand? Are you fearful about something in your life? A strained relationship? Sickness, like Paul? Troubles at work? Maybe in your marriage? Maybe someone has said something to you from a young age. Maybe your dad criticised you, said you were nobody. Maybe your mum said that. Could it be a health problem? 
That may be so, but did you know that the phrase do not fear or some similar variant of it appears 365 times in the Bible exactly? Once for every day. That's no coincidence in my books. That's a God incidence. I can't help recognising another God incidence when the first question God asks his children is where are you? That's the first question he asks. So I'd like to pose that question to you. Where are you this morning? My hope and prayer is that you're right with God and you can make a difference wherever you go. Because we are the body of Christ, Eastlake Church. God's work for us as hope traffickers in this world is only possible when we're all united. We gather together in faith. We believe, we're convicted, and we're passionate to go into the community, make a difference, and glorify him. So if the worship team would come up, I'd just like to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, whose love for us is reckless. It chases us down and doesn't stop till it finds us and meets us right where we are. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather together here in your name, worship you, praise you, for you are good and your love endures forever. Thank you that you have made us the salt and the light of the earth, Lord, and that the lamp your word is a lamp to our feet that guides us every step of the journey, Lord, and that wherever we go, we set foot on land that you have paved the way for us. Thank you, Jesus, that we are hope traffickers and that you have ordained us to be your hands and feet, Lord, that we are the body of Christ and we are here to glorify you, Lord. And I pray that for anyone here who might be struggling with something, who might be feeling, um, feeling hopeless in their life, Lord, I ask that you come and fill their heart, Lord, for you are good and you are life-changing, Jesus. Thank you. I ask that you inspire us with wisdom and fill us with that, Lord, so that we can discern your truth from the problems that we face, that we can understand that the promises of you are more powerful than any two-edged sword and anything we face, Lord. I ask that you go before us in our daily lives so that we can be conquerors and do life not by our strength, but by the unlimited potential that is in your name and in you alone, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just like to invite up Pastor Josh to finish off for me. That was awesome. I'm going to stand up here because you're too tall for me. I just wondered if we could stretch out our hands and pray for Tom. Just thank him for that word. Lord, I thank you for a young man who has sought after you. Who, Lord, has been parented in your word. Who stands with a confident faith, God, that is beyond his years. Lord, I thank you for the gift of communication and leadership on his life. Lord, I pray that we would see that flourish in this church. Lord, that as he steps forward and seeks after this medicine degree, God, that you would guide him all of the way, God, and that you would use that to bring hope into our world, that you would use him in the medical field, Lord, to build people's faith, God, that he would be a man that could stand up and communicate faith and science in a way that glorifies you. Lord, we thank you for Tom. We thank you for the word that he has brought, Lord. I pray that 
it fell on good ground, Lord, and that as we water it over this coming week, God, that you would work within our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Give him another hand. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. He does pretty good, doesn't he? We're going to go into a final song, this good grace song. And, and I invite you to consider that, that question that Tom posed at the end of where are you? If when you think about that question, you're left lost. Maybe you don't know the answer. Or maybe you think that I'm in a bit of a bad place here. I need some help. We always open the end of our 5 p.m. services up for prayer. Um, we've got beautiful David and Sonia here tonight, and I'd actually sort of love them to come forward and uh, pray with us. Uh, so if you want prayer for anything in your life, whether it's healing, whether you just need someone to agree with you, or whether you need to just get back on track with God, then I invite you to do that as we sing this song. Thanks, team.